Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast, your go-to source for insights and strategies in the HVAC, plumbing, and roofing industries. I'm Corey Barrier, here to guide you through transformative approaches to business and mindset. Each episode will explore unique methods, focusing on identifying and addressing the core challenges in your field. Our goal is to equip you and your team with practical solutions that foster growth and success. So whether you're tuning in for the first time or you're a longtime listener, get ready to dive into a wealth of knowledge and expertise. Let's begin our journey to success together. This is the successful life. It's Corey Barrier. Yeah, come learn with me. Take you down the path of our journeys. This is the successful life. It's time to take what you learn. Apply it to your life. It's your turn. To live a successful life. You are tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. Three, hear their backstories and where they are currently. We discuss how precious your life is and crucial it is to live with a purpose and die knowing the person looking in the mirror today. This is the successful life. It's Corey Barrier, yeah, come learn with me. Take you down the path of our journeys. This is the successful life. It's time to take what you learned, apply it to your life. It's your turn to live a successful life. You are tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. Three, two, one, let's go. Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Barrier, and I'm here with my man, Jeff Smith. What's up, Jeff? How you doing, Corey? Thanks for having me on, man. Yes, sir. Absolutely. So, um, you know, Jeff and I met probably about, I guess it was eight or nine months ago in person. We met out at uh, the Lions Den live. And um, I just, I remember specifically, well, Callie said, hey, you got to meet my boy Jeff out there. And and ironically, I, I, I couldn't really picture who you were. But then when we met, I knew I had, I knew you in some shape, form, or fashion. But anyway, um, dude, yeah, I'm excited to have you on, dude. So tell, dude, introduce yourself. Tell everybody what you do. What you know? What tell tell us what Jeff's about. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Uh, I first learned of you probably the year prior in January when Callie and I went to Cancun together. And uh, he was talking about you then. And so, yeah, I, I was aware of you. It's funny how the virtual world kind of brings everybody together now. Um, the circles seem to get smaller and smaller as you kind of stay in the game longer. Um, no, my name's Jeff Smith. I uh, do a variety of entrepreneurial ventures. I live in Houston, Texas. I've got a gorgeous wife, four young kids, and uh, I'm, I'm passionate about business. I'm passionate about men helping men <laughs> pursue their potential, I should say. Um, I'm former special operations in the military and uh, own 40-some rental properties, 41 rental properties of my own. And then uh, we're lead partners on uh, another 27-unit syndication that we're running. So I've been in the real estate game a while. We in a gym in Houston that we've owned for 11 years. Uh, I started that in 2011. Um, and then I do, I also run a mastermind group for a fitness business consulting company. And then I run my own personal business mastermind as well for, for male entrepreneurs with families. Man, I, you know what, Jeff, I totally forgot that you were special ops. Totally forgot. So, yes, so I got to ask, you know, and I know, I, I, I guess we didn't really have a direction here, but 
I, I got to ask you, like, what in the hell do you think being a, you know, former military guy, what, what do you think about this fucking Afghanistan debacle? Yeah. I mean, I, it was a mess, obviously. Um, it's, it's been quite a interesting 20 years for me, uh, because I am, I, I went, I enlisted in the military right after 9-11. Um, I was kind of out doing my own thing, working for a corporation at the time. I was 20 years old, 21 years old um, when 9-11 hit, and uh, I enlisted immediately after that. So my perspective, I served from 2001 to 2004, and my perspective on things has shifted substantially. Um, I mean, in during my time, it was kind of like, the wild west things were a little different as far as the the deployments we were on and things like that uh and then it shifted to more of like nation building and uh the the guys were policing and occupying space more um and i think i became more and more enlightened as i got more and more distance from the military as far as like what's going on and it's really it's really been an interesting time of like soul searching and kind of trying to understand history as much as i possibly could because i mean we grew up and in the vietnam era was a big deal right and like the vietnam vets were all there they were all over the place with their opinions on things right there was there was vietnam vets that entered the draft voluntarily and and wanted to go fight that war and then there was other people that were draft dodgers and and things like that and uh just really it's you grew up with a perception of like those draft dodgers were a certain way and like the those hippies and like why why would you ever like, like shun a military endeavor for for your country if you're a patriot and uh and my perspective has kind of shifted on that. I mean, man, like I love the United States more than anywhere in the world. Obviously, I, I am. I consider myself a fucking patriot, and I believe in everything that founded this country. Um, and I still uphold my oath and everything else, but a hundred percent. But like, what went on over the last twenty years is is kind of it's been going on forever if you learn your history but uh it it was it was simply a a money laundering situation where they were it was it was pay to play with the little midwestern and southern sons uh for the most part i know people come from other places i've been in the military so fuck off don't send me messages i know you guys are from the north and new york and the east coast and other places so save your shit but for the most part, it's wholesome, corn-fed, Midwestern and Southern people, middle class or lower class that enter the military and fight these wars. And um, it, it doesn't touch the beltway and the decision makers and things like that. They, they don't know anybody that's been in the military unless it's their sons coming through West Point and then they get Pentagon appointments and shit like that. I mean, having been behind the curtain a little bit, more than most, I, I have a sense of awareness that's a little bit higher. And I mean, as tragic as Afghanistan was and is still, um, 
I mean, it was a, a direct misrepresentation of everything that this country stands for that, that pull out, but I think it kind of was in alignment with the, the rest of the entire debacle. Like that, that shouldn't have, we shouldn't have been there for years. That war has been fought in the holy lands since the beginning of time. And it will continue to be that way. I, I'm, I mostly feel bad for the women and children. I mean, they have, in the last 10 years, that country has evolved substantially and, and had a lot of things going for it. I mean, it, two, two of the buddies that I work with that, or that I, that I was in Ranger Battalion with own a company called Combat Flip Flops. And um, they started that business. It's a manufacturing company out of Afghanistan, and they only employ women. And the entire purpose of the company was to send women to school and educate Afghan women. And they've been doing that for 15 years that the company has been open. And uh, it, I mean, it's a, it's a really great cause. And the, the inroads that were made that have all been decimated at this point were all for naught, but it's a, it's an interesting time over there. And I think Afghanistan was handled poorly, but it, it wasn't going to be handled much better depending on who was in office. I mean, we were going to have to extend it, like leaving all the equipment over there and all that shit is just like all of its dereliction of duty. All of it was on purpose, a hundred percent. And, uh, I mean, We've had a lot of suicides since then. We've had, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of people that gave a lot of things for for that war and and brought everything into question. Truly, uh, I mean, so that's where I want you to talk about for a second, Jeff. From your standpoint, like, how does it, how does it feel to be that that person that that sees the last twenty years and the the work that they've done over there or served to see it all go away in a you know in a blink of an eye. Like I, no wonder people are committing suicide. It, that my guess is that's what you're referring to, right? That's the reason. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, it, like people don't understand the sacrifice that's made for the people that actually go to combat for this country. I mean, it, it's a it's a big ask. It's it, the the things that they're signing up for that they're willing to deal with for perceivably the good of their citizens right um at the time like i mean there's amputees there's people that have stepped on ieds that don't they're missing limbs and things like that they've given like i fortunately have all my limbs and and i've come back in relatively solid shape um not everybody can say that but i mean there's still tremendous questions to be asked you you were asked to do things with a purpose that could have all been based on lies right and, and so like the reconciliation of all of that is is a lot to stomach for some people and then then you go into the people on my teams that were killed the people that i know that were killed in combat and like then you question all of that right they were 22 24 years old they had everything to look forward to, right? And so, like, I, I still think to this day about all those people and what their what their future would have been like. Would they have had kids? Would they what would they be doing? And uh, 
I mean, we really sacrificed all of that stuff, right? For what was the perceived story we were being told at the time. I mean, fuck, I was in Pat Tillman's unit. You want to talk about a travesty of a situation. I served with Pat and his brother, Kevin, and I, I was not, I was no longer in the unit I had ETS out of the army when that situation actually occurred. I was not present for that situation, but I mean, what a fucking quagmire that was, right? And you, you talk about a guy who, who really laid it all on the line for a situation. Like, I mean, he had everything in front of him and, and bought into the same level of patriotism that, that we all espouse. So, I mean, I, I don't know, man. It's a lot, lot to digest. It is a lot. And, you know, here, and I, I really didn't, I never really looked, Jeff, I didn't really, I never really looked at the, when you, when you just mentioned the typical person that, that enlists, I, I never looked at it like it's, you know, it's, but maybe even lower to, to medium income people, it's never the people that are way on the top. It's probably not the people that are way on the bottom because they don't give a fuck enough to, to, to do that, right? That's really interesting. I never really categorize, but you're right. You're absolutely right. I'm sure there's people in the, in the military that don't fit that, that, that frame, but I would say 99% probably do. And so we don't, so when we when things like this happen, we're sacrificing. Well, that the people that are making the decisions really don't have to worry about the decision, right? Because they they don't get faced with it. They don't. Hell, Joe Biden didn't even go. Oh, let's see, I can't remember where it was. He didn't go. I, I don't Dover. remember. Delaware. Is that what it was? That, that's where those bodies come in. Yes, do, do, he, Dover, Delaware. He did not go to the twelve. I believe it was 12 people that the Marines that were killed over there. Yeah. And you got coffee Anderson out of his own pocket flying around to do a, a live ceremony for these 12 people. And like, God, I mean, I I just, sometimes I just, I have to scratch my head because I just don't understand. I just don't understand. Coffee's a fucking hero. He's a stud, man. Like that guy is an amazing human being. Amazing. Amazing. So, you know, what would you say? I mean, I don't even, I can't, first of all, you know, hats off to you for serving that and first and foremost. Um, but secondly, if I'm, if I'm listening to this show and maybe I've just finished college or maybe I haven't even started college, or maybe I'm in the middle of my school year and getting ready to graduate high school. I, I can't think of a single good reason at this stage I would ever consider doing that if I were that age with the current times. Well, I have a son and that's all he wants to do. I mean, he's fucking four, so take it for what it's worth, but all he, that's all he wants to do. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you can bet your ass that I'll, we're going to get ready on our own. Like that's, that's how I live my life. I am always prepared to take care of my shit hundred percent. You come beating on my door and you're going to find a problem. But like, besides that, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if I, I mean, my kids can go do whatever they want to go do. Right. I, I, they're going to go to the situation with as much, as much or more information than anyone that's ever gone into that situation. I guarantee you that 
because I'm going to tell them every bit of my experiences and what I've learned over time. And so in good faith, would I send them over there? No. But as a 22 year old male, like from my bloodline, do I understand it? If he wants to go crack some fucking skulls? Yes, 100%. And I wouldn't stop him from doing that because it's fucking fun. Like the, the level of experiences and adrenaline and the, the, there is a good cause. Once you start fighting, none of that shit matters. Like none of the politics or nothing at home matters. You get a fight with your team and, and the people beside you are the people that you're responsible for bringing home. And there's something to be said about having a level of understanding of those relationships and how that feels that I don't think could be replicated doing anything else. And so like, I mean, to get into actual gunfights with human beings is, is a experience that you can't describe. And I mean, it's hard, hard to come back from, obviously you come home, you try to fill that void and it's, <laughs> it's, it's an unfillable void, but it, but when you talk about like, would you send your sons or like in good faith, if you were 18 years old, you wouldn't be enlisting. And, and I, I can't disagree with you. I mean, I think we're going to reach a point. God forbid something happens in the near future with our weakened state. But I mean, I could see the necessity of a freaking draft if we actually go back to a war because who in the right mind is going to send their kids to happen so jeff let me ask you this how how did your i've always wondered this because i noticed and we you and i talked about you know ryan williams earlier uh yep and and ryan is a seal and it's always been fascinating to me to talk to anybody that's made it that far in the military and so how would you say your experience um, in the military has, what did you take from that in the business? And, and how can you tie that to the success that you've had in business? Because there, be, there has to be some kind of correlation. This episode of the Successful Life Podcast is brought to you by House Call Pro. Whether you're looking to streamline your operations reduce paperwork, or boost revenue, Housecall Pro is your all-in-one business solution. Transform your business today with essential tools and support designed to drive efficiency and deliver exceptional customer service. To learn more, click the link in the show notes. Yeah, I, I don't think it's that hard to make it into special operations in these units, whether it be SEALs, Rangers, uh, Green Berets, whatever you want to be. Um, it's hard. Don't get me wrong. It's a level of hard that most people aren't used to, but it, it's, it's an actual amount of fortitude and consistency and just refusal to quit, though, is what it is. Like nothing... There's no one pinnacle moment that's so definingly hard that it like kills you or you quit. Like it's just a level of enduring shit for so long that just beats people to death. And 
And then there's the psychological aspect of like, hey, <laughs> it's it's warm and cozy over here. There's nothing wrong with quitting. And 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 that's being encouraged the whole time, regardless of what unit you're trying to qualify for. They're all the same. And I mean, when we started, there was 81 people that went into our ranger indoctrination program and we finished with 11 or 12, I think. And uh, so over a over a three and a half week period, we, we lost 70 people. And uh, that that's just because it, it's it's the zero options mentality or zero doubt mentality. It, it's it's the same way you go into anything in life as far as like, are you convinced that you're going to do this or are you just fucking around? Like, because I know I, I still am guilty of this in a lot of things. Like, if I am not 100% committed, like I'm doing that and I decide on it, it happens every single time. But when I waffle and I'm like, yeah, this sounds like a nice idea. I think I'll take the month off drinking or something like that. Like, eh, if, if I'm ambivalent on it, it's not happening, 100%. <clears throat> and I think most people live their lives ambivalent on all their decisions. Like, it, because they, they view everything as kind of nice to haves or I'll get lucky if this happens to me. So my, biz, my biggest takeaway from like what I've achieved in, in all these different endeavors is that like when I set my mind to something, it, like it's, it's zero doubt that I'm, that I'm getting that. Like, can I define the path to get there? No, no, I don't know what the fuck that's gonna look like. Like if you're doing something physical, you may blow your knee out. You may have an injury or setback. Like you, there, there may be something going on. If you're doing something financial, like I'm going to own a thousand fucking rental properties. Okay. Like, I don't know what that looks like. Is that one 600 unit apartment complex and then another 400 unit apartment complex? Is it only two assets or is it 1000 homes? I don't know. Doesn't matter. But like, if I stake that in the ground and that's where I'm going, I'm going to go there. The path is determined on your ability to be flexible with the situation. And I think that. A lot of that comes out of the military as well. Like we have this ability to be patient in our suffering and flexible in our kind of maneuvering. Like I, I'm not married to one way to get to that particular goal. I am just hell bent on getting to that goal. And I am patient enough and I will take the setbacks and the suffering and understand that it's a progressive thing. So like, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. <clears throat> so the I, I, I run a couple masterminds, right? We talked about that before the call. One of the masterminds I run is um, for fitness business owners. And the average age in that group is probably 34, I would say. It's a young group of people. And so what I try to impart on them is that, that wisdom right there. I'm like, guys, if you're truly an entrepreneur, like you're not retiring, that's not happening. Like, I mean, you have 50 years left in this game. So when you think about yourself in like a very narrow, like, am I successful or am I not successful? And you're in your, like, that's a binary thing. Yes or no. And like you only may be making 
a, a little above six figures or a, a bare low six figures at this point. And like, you're like, oh, is this all life has when other people are out there talking about like buying Lambos and doing other shit, right? Like what they need to understand is that they really are just scratching the surface of their potential. And if they allow that to compound for just, let's say, let's say that person's 32 years old. If they just do the work for eight more years, by the time they're 40, like they're into multiple millions by the time they're 40. Most people can't say that at all at 40, right? Then by the time they're 50, holy shit, like whatever, like the, uh, all the bets limit. are off on the potential, right? And so when you look at that perspective, like I think I have 50 more years in business. I truly do. I'm 42 years old. I think I'll be where I, I think I'll be creating, building shit, doing things for 50 more years. Like I when so. I put that into when I put that into perspective that I've only been doing it for 15 at this point, like, fuck, man, like my dreams can be as big as I want them to be. Like, because the 15 years was spent making 50% of mistakes. Like I didn't have shit figured out. I still don't have shit figured out, but I'm a lot better than I was 15 years ago. And like, when you think about that and starting to speed it up, right. It, it's, it's incredible to think about like, so the perspective that they have, like where they are now is not where they're staying, right? The trajectory is, is monumental. Like where it can be a hockey stick curve once you get the shit figured out, truly. I just went off on a huge tangent yep. from the military to where we're at here. <laughs> but, but that's the way my brain works though, because the military lessons are consistent, patient, activity done on a small scale regularly without deviation because that's what the military is it's fucking monotony like you just wait and wait and wait and then you get this peak of like high volume activity like high energy holy shit endorphins and then it's boom wait and wait and wait and granted when you're running a bunch of missions we i we ran a ton of missions outside the wire on deployment. So, I mean, we would have those peaks frequently when we were doing that, but when we would come to the rear and either train or take care of our equipment or do the necessary maintenance that we needed to do, it was just monotony of like waiting and waiting and patience. Right. So I think bringing that to business and being able to have that perspective of what you're ready for as well, because that level of preparation has prepared me for the business world because like now I can go do my stuff because I'm, I'm very like dogmatic about my habits and like what I do on a regular basis. And like, I mean, you've seen my shit. I stay in shape. I work out all the time. I, I, I do what's necessary. I eat right. I read. I educate myself. Like those, that stuff's non-negotiables because at some point there's a firefight coming and I'm good in, in real life. Some that is that at some point there's an opportunity going to present itself to me and I am going to be ready to take advantage of that particular opportunity at that time. So I can sustain the lulls of monotony and boredom because I know that something else is coming. Yeah, that makes complete sense. And here's the, and, and to your exact point, you know, and it is so ironic that you mentioned that, you know, we have another 50 years, you and I are the same age, I'm, well, I'm a year older than you, but whatever, it's basically the same. 
And so, yep. Sean, I was watching I was watching Sean's call today because I missed it yesterday because I was on a show. And mm-hmm. one of the things that he mentioned, he said, you know, I started this thing seven years ago. Now, I've heard him say that a million times, but this time it was different because he said, folks, like, this is not that hard. Like, you just have to be consistent. And, and what and my I guess my point in this is that I always look at now I've gotten better at this, but I look at where people are, like, for example, Sean's our age, right? He's doing mm-hmm. big things, blah, 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 whatever. But he's put in the work for the last seven years to do that. I haven't put in the work to be where Sean is. I haven't done yep. the consistent thing. I, I haven't even been on fucking Facebook for seven years, for that matter. Like, in, in other words, like we think about we should be at here because of the things that we're doing. And the reality is we get a long ways to go and we're not developed enough to be in that spot yet, or we would be in that spot. Well, that's great awareness on your part though, because you're not deflecting the blame. You're like, this is why I, I, I have a saying in my house all the time that is I, I, I have, I am exactly where I deserve to be at any given moment in time. So like when you analyze anything about yourself that you fucking hate or you are discouraged by, like there ain't no looking around to figure out why that's happening. Like it, it's go look in the mirror a hundred percent because it's, it's a result of what you're stuffing in your face. That's why you're fat. It's a result of what you're drinking. That's why you're fucking feeling like shit or fat <laughs> and, or both. <laughs> Yeah. And it's a result of your lack of reading or learning or developing a skill, why you can't make any money, why you're stupid, why you can't have a conversation with people. Like life's not hard, man. It's a series of small things over and over and over and over again. And it's also having self-control. Like we talk about this in the veteran community specifically. I've had a bunch of guys on from different special operations units. And, And one thing that inevitably comes up all the time is that as we transition out, we are super guilty of chasing pleasure, like to, to fill that void adrenaline. of uh, adrenaline and things like that. And so that, I, I don't think it's any different than normal Americans, but, but our scale that probably we have an appetite for it is, is probably much higher. Um, so we have a tendency to spiral, right? But I think the normal human being in America is just excusing their behavior on a regular basis to chase that same pleasure, whether it's like, oh, would going out and going for a run be hard? Yeah, I think I'll sit on the couch instead and watch Netflix for four hours. No, no harm done there. But or maybe I shouldn't have dessert. Well, I'll just have six Oreos instead of 16. Right. And that slippery slope does the same exact thing. But your level of awareness, though, in mentioning that, like, hey, man, I'm right where I deserve to be based on the work I've put in. Like, that's where it starts, man. That's where it starts. You know, and it was, I appreciate you saying that. And and I'll tell you, one of the things I realized at at Lions Den Live was, I, I'm the reason that I'm no further in life than I am, than I am. And I'm, but I'm, I am also the reason that I'm as far as I am. And so it was really an interesting, um, I I don't know, open my eyes to when I thought about that. And I just, 
it, it was like an epiphany. I guess it was an epiphany, I guess you'd say. Um, yeah. But it's true. It's totally true. For sure. For sure, man. So how do you – how do you – well, if there is such thing as balance, how the hell do you balance four children, a wife, and multiple businesses? That is – I mean, I got one kid, and I barely balance anything. um i i don't believe in balance at all um so i am really focused on what i'm focused on for the time that's allotted to me um i'm really a slave to my schedule most days i haven't been great about that this month um admittedly it's been kind of all over the place but most of the time i am a time blocking master and i don't shift focus out of those time blocks for any reason um and i i mean on a regular day when it's not christmas week i'm getting a, i get up at 4 30 every morning and like i've been waking up at 5 30 this week but um that's just because we don't really have shit to do things are a little slower this week um Plus, not a lot of people are in their office so like what i'm trying to accomplish on a regular basis is is a little bit limited Um, so, uh, but, but for me, it's really important. My mornings are, are the time that I just really dominate. I can't do anything at night. I'm a, I sleep, I I go to sleep at nine o'clock at night generally. Um, so I am not a night owl. Uh, God bless you people that can be very, there's way too much have gone on during my day for me to do that um but i can get up in the morning and i don't always get up at 4 30 if i have to do something else i'll wake up as early as necessary i'll get up at two or three in the morning if if i have a flight if i have something else i need to do just to get all those things in that i'm talking about as far as non-negotiables i don't really have a morning routine per se i get up and i do like one or two personal things like read or gratitude Um, but they're fast and they're not super time consuming. And then I get straight to work on my main stuff because my mornings are when I have the most cognitive ability. And I, I like to say I get more, I get an entire day's worth of work done before 8am, which allows, which allows me to then respond to fires the rest of the day. Like, take client issues. We don't, no client issues come my way, but like, uh, real estate stuff comes my way. So if if you get curveballs from real estate, from a rental property, stuff like that, um, it just allows me to be more flexible during the day. And then we're able to shut it down in the evening. My wife's usually done with her stuff by like four o'clock. So about four o'clock we're done with everything. And then it's like family time till eight. And I love that dude. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I'm 100% wired just like you. I have to get up. Uh, well, I don't have to do anything, I guess, but I, I get up every morning at 4.13 because, like you said, dude, like everybody's asleep. I can get yep. so much done. And, you know, I work from home, and I you work from home. I, does Kristen work from home? Yeah. Okay. So yep. here's my question, though. Because my wife, I mean, she's a wedding photographer. So for the most part, she works at home unless she's shooting a wedding, which is only like, mm-hmm. you know, 15, 20 times a year. So, right. but how do you, how do you block? Cause you mentioned, you said, when I, when I, when I time block, nothing interrupts me. How do you separate that with, 
what's the understanding with you and your wife during those time blocks? And is she aware of when they are on a schedule every day? Yes, she's aware. And then the understanding is that we support each other to get each other's stuff done. So like when I talk about having flex time after 8 a.m., that's the stuff that kind of deviates <clears throat> with regards to like, do I have meetings? Do I need to record a podcast? When does she have client calls? I run a Q&A for one of my masterminds every Wednesday at three o'clock. So like that's a standing deal. Everybody knows that that's happening. Um, I run a, another group call for my other mastermind Monday, every other Monday at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. So those are like non-negotiable fixed items that I have on my schedule. Then I figure out kind of, we, uh, uh, to answer your point, we meet every Sunday morning at 6 a.m. And we do a financial meeting and then we do a real estate meeting and we do an upcoming week meeting. So like all that happens within like 45 minutes, boom, boom, boom. And then we go get donuts for the kids, 8 a.m. The kids start waking up, we have donuts. But like that level sets us for the week on when she needs me where. And, uh, and then we usually just work around stuff. So she goes and works out every single day at from 10 to 12 during the week. She has childcare at her gym for our kids. So she takes all the kids with her at 9:45, doesn't come home till 12:15 or 12:30. So that's a time block when we know we have no kids. Then our baby sleeps from 2 to 4:30 every single day. So we know the baby is accounted for during that period of time, 2 to 4:30. So the rest of the time it's kind of just like juggling cuz we do homeschool our kids. So she homeschools them from 8 to 9:45. The older girls do school lessons. And then in the afternoon, we circle back and we do more stuff after lunch for school. Hey. It, it's, it's a juggling act every day. But I mean, we kind of prioritize it based on like the, the biggest return for what we're doing. So did it, did it start that way? So I, I, don't, I don't even think I've asked you this. I don't even know how long you've been married. How long have you been married? 11 years. Okay. 11 years. So how, at what point in your 11 year marriage did you start doing these meetings and almost treating, well, not almost, you do treat it very much so sounds like to me as a business meeting, right? It doesn't yes. get derailed with any kind of family bullshit. Like, you know why you're there at the time you're there. It's a hundred percent a business. Our house is another business, like 100%. And uh, I mean, we have people that help out around the house. They're the staff for the operations around there. My wife just happens to be the COO of, of that business. And <laughs> um, it has not always been like that. No, we, <clears throat> I mean, I think to your point, she was on a podcast not too long ago with a friend of ours. And, and you were talking about that um, for about the first seven or eight years of our marriage. Like we were, we were ships passing in the night, like trying to figure shit out. Right. Like we got married, we opened the gym, we had a baby. And then from there, uh, like our relationship communication was all strange and everything else. And like, we turned into roommates, she was watching the kids, she was mad at me because she has like, 
two master's degrees and a PhD and is brilliant. And she got to sit at home with our kids all the time and had no input in our business and like all this other shit. Like, I mean, I don't know. I would say typical marriage stuff. I don't know. I've never been married to anyone else. So it's, it's typical of our marriage. <laughs> so we worked through all that shit and uh, kind of have really been dialed in and connected for probably the last three years and, um, and just really improving our relationship. And, and a lot of that comes with communication and understanding of like the fact that she's not against me. Like I'm not against her. We both got a lot of shit going on and like we're, we're supportive of each other in, in the unified direction that we're going. So a lot of, a lot of that has been improved through like annual planning together. We, we do, we go away. We just did it three weeks ago. We, we go away for a weekend at the, at minimum, if not longer alone um, on a vacation somewhere and then do annual planning for the following year. Um, she started a business in the last year that she's running doing uh, fitness and nutrition for busy moms. Um, so she's got a whole nother business now that she's working on. And um, I've got everything else going on that we've got. And um, so, I mean, there are a lot of moving parts, but working in unison towards shared goals has probably been what changed everything because it used to be I had my stuff and I don't know if she had her stuff we we weren't equally yoked at the time either this is something I talk about frequently with my clients in different groups but like I was growing I was doing masterminds I was doing personal development I had coaches I was fucking spending money like going all these places learning growing and she was not for that first period of time of our marriage. And it really made her resentful. She will tell you, I'm not speaking for her. There's plenty of recordings out there where she'll, where she'll tell you. And, uh, <laughs> um, but, but at that time we weren't growing together. And, and I think that that changed. I mean, we've been through marriage counseling and a bunch of other shit. I mean, like it, it's important to us to be married. We've got four kids. Like I grew up without a father. She grew up in a great, happy home. Um, but for me, like our, our marriage is kind of non-negotiable as far as like it's going till one of us is dead. And uh, so that part, fixing that was incredibly important to, to both of us as far as like, she wanted to be happy, obviously, and, and I, I wanted to be very happy as well. I mean, I, I'm not saying that, that she was the only one, but um, kind of figuring that stuff out has kind of changed our lives for the better, obviously. So I'm curious, you, you mentioned it was about three years ago, and you mentioned you were traveling and, and going to a lot of different groups. And it's very, you really explained very similarly to me currently, um, except for, you know, when I came back from, from Lions Day Live this last time, I told my wife, I said, look, you, you need to join this thing, not because I'm telling you you need to join it, but you need to join it because you and I will, we're going to get on a, on a better, we had a great relationship. The only thing that was really missing was I didn't involve her in my personal development world. I just didn't. I was really selfish and I, it was mine and I didn't think, I didn't really want to share it. 
I don't know how that maybe that sounds shitty. I don't, I don't know, but either way, that's what happened. And so when I came back from LDL, I, I told her, I said, look, but I'm not sure when he's going to open it, but whenever he opens it, you need to join because you want to join. But I'm, I'm just telling you that it, it it's going to help us. It's going to help us communicate better. And it, it's changed. It's changed a lot. I mean, did she do it? She did it. She did it. Yeah. Oh, and so now awesome. we go on date night once a week, every week. Um, and just things are better because now our conversations are around things that I've been talking about. And, yeah. and now she can have those same conversations with me. And it's what I, I enjoy it way better than talking about something I don't want to talk about naturally. Well, I think, I think it, our, one of our catalyst turning points was like my, my wife ran the, the home budget, if you will, like we don't really live on a budget, but she ran the, the bills around the house. But, um, and I, and she will tell you that she did not feel comfortable spending money on herself, which I, I have never understood, but that's kind of her mindset on spending money. Like I could leave her with all the money and I would come home and there wouldn't be a penny spent and uh, she'll buy stuff for our kids, but she won't buy stuff for herself, right? And so a couple of years ago, I bought her a coach um, and it was expensive. I mean, not super expensive, a thousand bucks or something like that. But to her, it was like an enormous amount of money on a coach, right? And so, it, which is funny to me for the people that come to the academic world. I'm like, you fuckers are willing to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars listening to some asshole teach you something and but you won't hire a specialized coach in a field that you just want to improve a little bit for a grand right and so I hired a coach for her I think he worked with her for eight weeks or something then we extended but like that was really eye-opening for her because one is she she didn't I, I think it gave her permission to spend money on herself one she saw the value in a coach too. She saw that I was supportive by throwing money out there, even if it was a small amount of money, but like that kind of changed the perspective of things. And then I was like, what, whatever group you want to join, find one and go join it. So instead of saying like, Hey, you should join lions. Then I told her, I don't give a fuck who you want to join. Just go find somebody and join it because like it, she and I are, share the same values and same views on everything for the most part and uh so it wasn't like she was going to go out and find somebody that was going to like wreck our marriage or something like that <laughs> like <laughs> so uh, um so i encouraged her i was like go find anybody like if you want to work in a women's group go in a women's group like figure something out there's tons of them out there right and uh and so she ended up joining apex and <laughs> Um, and so we were both apex executives and, but like that has been life-changing for her because she's really found her way in that group and she's a rock star in there and an influencer to all the other tiers within apex. And, uh, it, that's been tremendous for her because she's been able to kind of just make her own way. Like, I know that you said that was one of my thoughts. I'm like, man, this is like, I want to join this group. Do I want her in this group? And then I was like, it's actually worked out better. She she has more clout in there than I probably do, to be honest, 100%. Like, because she participates in a lot more stuff. And, uh, but but it has been fantastic. And now we're sharing messages, right? And we drive up to Dallas every month 
So we have the drive home together where we get to talk about what we just learned. Now she's got her own business. So like, how does that apply to her business? Um, obviously, I, I, her business is exactly what I help people build. So like, it's, it's a really good relationship, although I stay out of her business for the most part because she, she tells me when it's time to give feedback and when not to. And I'm acutely aware of that. And so, uh, <laughs> that's funny, dude. Yeah, it, you got to know. You, you have to know when to, when to shut up and when not to. But that's really interesting because it's almost like it empowered her and and my wife because my wife has made massive changes since. Yeah, and it's pretty incredible. Like it's it's really incredible. And I guess you know we well we knew maybe not going into it that it was going to be what it is, but we both seen the results out of being in, in, in multiple groups. And I mean, look, it's a great, it's a, it's the fast way to learn the information that's effective. Yep. Absolutely. So uh, it, I think it's, it's massively important. And, and look, if anybody out that's listening to this, that if you're not in a group, you should go join one because look, I mean, you can get into the lines. It's $297 a month. Like, you should be able to afford, if you're listening to this podcast, I would imagine you could afford 297 bucks a month. So it's just, it's the, I think it's the, it's the, I think it's the idea of, it's kind of like a black box until you get into it, right? Mm -hmm. Personal development, I feel like is a black box until you get into it and then you really start to understand, but it almost feels like snake oil at first but it's not it's not snake oil they it absolutely works but i think that's a lot of people's perception i could be wrong um but that's what i think well i think people there, there's two things i see is people don't understand how they're going to capture their roi one and then two i don't think people some people do cannot remove their ego from a situation and can't they know that they're going to have to do work to capture their ROI and they don't want pushed in that direction because it's uncomfortable. Cause if I call you, cause I, I run these masterminds, I, I run two masterminds. So if I call you and I call you on your shit and I say, you need to do this, Corey, like, and, and, and I walk away, hang up the phone and I'm like, he could do it or he could not do it, whatever. Like, it doesn't matter to me. I've given you the push. You need to fucking do it, but I can't execute for you. And so in my mind, it, no matter what these programs cost, it's a very insignificant amount of money to get your ROI. Like, like one of the groups I run is 15,000 bucks a year. The other group I run is 6,000 bucks a year or whatever. And like, that's not very, that's one good idea. If you have a business and you can't generate 15,000 bucks, like we talked about sales process on the last call, like, fuck. I mean, you change my sales process, you could easily generate me 20 to 100 grand, if not more, depending yeah. on leads, right? Like it's one good idea. People also don't understand conceptually how much things cost in their business. Like one employee that doesn't turn over every quarter can save you $15,000, if not $60,000 annually. Like, because the it, people just don't have an, a, a concept of what things cost in their business. They would rather just like grind through 
and just ignore like all of the all, all of the costs associated with business. So like, I mean, we we're part of a pretty expensive group. I mean, a, executives is 50 grand for a person. And if you join that group, you have an expectation that you're going to multiply that by an X factor. Like, I mean, if you made 50 grand back, it'd be great, right? Net zero, like, okay, you learned a lot of lessons. You got connected to a lot of people. But I mean, I, I think theoretically people are going in there to 5X that and X that over time, right? And, and that's the same with every group you join. Like if you're part of Apex Entourage, the lowest level one, I think it's 1999 a year, which is 150 bucks or 175 bucks a month, right? Like you don't have to do very much. Like that, what would give you $2,000 of ROI in a year? I mean, anything, anything, <laughs> anything, like really, yeah. like you have to look at the longevity and the length of engagement of your customers and stuff like that. Like when I think of what would give me 2000 bucks, if I bought, if you came to my gym and you bought our lowest package and you stayed with us a year, that's more than 2000 bucks. So if I got in one of these groups and I met someone from Houston that lived in the neighborhood of my gym and they just happened to say, Hey, I like Jeff, I'm going to go to his gym and they stay with us for 12 months. Like, right. There's my investment paid for. Cause I never would have met that uh, person. Otherwise, I think people just think too narrow on these things. And, and, and they also get, like scarcity issues. So whenever anything goes sideways and it's a budgetary issue, they blame the program, which makes it dicey to run these programs, right? Because they're like, what have you done for me lately? Right. Because I've, I've been in that position because I've, I've been running masterminds and mentoring clients for five, six years now. And, and the masterminds that I've ran, I've been doing that for three years. But like, I've had situations where we've had clients that are like, I'm, I'm quitting. I don't see value in this program. And, and it's just because like they came up for renewal in December and we maybe haven't got together in person in like 90 days. And like, it, it's a, what have you done for me lately? Right. Then you go back to their notes and the client notes and you're like, man, over the last year, this guy has bought 10 rental properties. He's opened another business he's went on four weeks of vacation with his family and done date night with his wife every week. Like he takes his kids out once a month for one-on-one -on -one time. Like this all happened within eight months and wasn't happening before he was doing it. Right. And like, you just have to kind of take it with a grain of salt and say, man, I, well, regardless of he sees it right now, his life's improved. Right. So like, from my perspective, running those programs, it's important to do that retroactive or, or retrospective exercise of like, hey, Corey, where were you 90 days ago? What was your situation in September? And like, knowing that we all have setbacks, like 2021 was a shit year for me. Like I got every turn that I could get punched in the face, I got punched in the face, business-wise, financially. Like we had a massive amount of losses all over the place. And all that did was I learned a lot of lessons and I hung on and I was like, man, if we can just survive this, I know something massive is coming. And so I'm looking at 2022, like, man, I'm about to explode this year. And, and like most people just don't look at it that way. 
because like most people would have quit having what happened last year to me happen. Like, I mean, everything went in the shitter at the same exact time across all my businesses. We had multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars of cash outlays that, I mean, drained our savings in different areas and like all kinds of shit everything you could ask for. It was just one thing after another, after another. And I was just like, holy fuck, man. Like, but my perspective immediately is like, Hey, I survived another day. Good. Perfect. And then like, what's coming next? What am I being taught by God to open up a window for like, cause, cause I think everything is a test. Like I'm asking for all this massive shit. Like my subconscious and my visualizations and everything, I'm asking for like a lot of responsibility ultimately, right? Because like with a lot of stuff comes a lot of responsibility, right? And, uh, it, and so I truly feel like this year was my testing year on whether I am deserving of handling that, that next level of, of things and obligations. And you passed like, the test. I'm, I'm still here moving forward. So, so I, I, I'm hoping we unlock the doors and, uh, and I think we have. And so it, everyone has to kind of think about their perspective of the things that they're going through. Cause oftentimes life is teaching you lessons to give you gifts. And most people just look at things as like shit sandwiches and, and they are in the moment. There's no question, but going back to where we started this conversation, you, you are getting exactly what you deserve. Right. And so I, I mean, I paid some hefty lessons this year. I, I, and there, hopefully the, the ROI on those lessons learned is going to be tremendous. What was one of the biggest issues that you, and I know we got to wrap up, what was one of the biggest things that you had to overcome in terms of, you know, the shutdown and everything with all of the doors that you do, did you say 40 plus doors? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm responsible for 68 of them. Okay. So yeah, 68 different properties. So what was the biggest, what was the biggest thing that are the, the worst thing, I guess, that happened throughout out all of this with the properties? Well, the number one thing, so it not COVID related was actually the freeze in Texas last year because I had burst pipes at probably 30 of our properties and there was no materials and then labor was outrageously expensive, right? Because they were gouging everybody because there wasn't, I mean, there was a shortage. It was a supply demand thing. And uh, <clears throat> so that cost us multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars to get all of that done. Um, and then it ended up dragging on for months because we knew what we knew. We got in there fast. We repaired everything. And then inevitably, a month later, I would get a call that a tenant moved out. Ceilings collapsed. Sheetrocks molded. They were just living in there, letting the water leak. And then they just took off and never told us, right? So then you got, you got to go in there and it's eight or 10,000 bucks to make ready that property, renovate. And we had that occur multiple times. So the, I, I think the, the freeze happened in like late February, early March, something like that. I didn't pay my last contractor on the job until mid-July. 
So that thing drug on for like four or five months with just like new shit, new shit. Then we would get little pinhole leaks in the walls that wouldn't expose themselves for days. The interior damage was way worse than the exterior. The exterior stuff we could just button up, repipe, get going and uh, move down the road. But it, so that was the biggest thing. But all the while this was going on, then we were dealing with all of these rent issues with people being out of work because of COVID, losing their jobs because of COVID, being having COVID and being laid off or not getting paid because a lot of a lot of our tenants are paid to show up hourly wages, right? And so if they're not available for two weeks, they're not getting paid for two weeks. Then there's like Texas rent relief and all these other situations. So, I mean, it, it was just an interesting year. We didn't have a huge problem with tenants that didn't want to pay. Um, but there was a lot of programs available for them that would assist them. And we had to deal with a lot of administrative work with that, the go-betweens with how that money's administered to us and what that looks like. So, I mean, the properties were, were a lot this year and, and some of them are in hard money loans, which means I'm trying to refinance them into long-term debt and the tenants moving out overnight because the pipes are burst. And like, so the closing falls through because we were ready to close, but we had, a, we had to have a lease signed and a tenant in place with rent being paid. And that pulled out at the 11th hour as the paperwork was ready to close, like it, it was just a, a year of learning lessons. You're in line, dude. I, that's, I totally forgot about the freaking storm in Texas. Holy shit. Yeah. What a disaster. <laughs> I mean, I can't, I, I still to this day scratch my head over that whole situation. Like I just don't understand. Yeah. I can't wrap my head around how that happened. Yeah, we were that that's the cold we've been down here since 2008 and that's the that's the only sustained freeze that's ever happened in 12 years 15 years um but i mean it was below 32 degrees for five days and like this area is not built for that at all um so, so it was a weird deal. I burst pipes at my house that i just left and we were out doing rental properties all day long for five straight days while I left burst pipes at my house because I wasn't sending our guys to work on my house when our tenants needed stuff done. So we, we just didn't have the time to send them to my place. <laughs> so, like, I mean, that's what a good business owner does though. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it, yeah. I mean, it, awful circumstances, but you know, I, I imagine 2022 must it's going to have to turn out better than 2020. Oh, I'm, I, I feel I'm also really dialed in on all my stuff. Like, cause I used to be like, I would allow this stuff to kind of throw me off or frazzle me. And like, I would get into my own little pity party or go have too many drinks too regularly, stuff like that. This year I've been so dialed in, like I I'm just completely on point. And like I said, I mean, I'm ready when those opportunities present themselves, I will take advantage of those opportunities because I'm, I'm prepared for them. 
Yeah. So hundred percent. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And, and like I said, I, I started that new mastermind group just like 45 days ago. My, yeah. My which is what? Well, yeah, tell us about that. It's, it's my inner circle program that I, I'm running for male entrepreneurs with kids. Um, and it, essentially it's for any entrepreneur that like wants to reach peak performance in everything that they do while being surrounded by a group of guys that are going through like a lot of the same challenges that you're dealing with being like a business owner with kids and clients and a wife and a million other things to take care of like just all the shit that goes into life right because everybody's talking about balance and there's no there's no such thing as balance we're just out here doing the best we can on a regular basis and each of us has the same amount of time every day to allocate towards all the things that we need to be doing to be a solid human being, to leave a legacy for our family, to, I, I'm, I'm super passionate about my children because I think those are our ultimate legacy on, on what we're bringing into the planet. Like I can make as much money as I want to, but if I'm a shitbag dad and, and I don't raise good kids, like I'll, I, I will not feel like I have lived my life to its potential. Um, just because that they are going to live on well beyond me. And if I can have a positive impact on them and their lives, then, then my impact can be obviously much broader than that. And, and I'm, I'm very passionate about the impact I make on the world and what I'm, what I'm bringing to the table when I'm, I'm raising those children. So that's fantastic. Well, um, Jeff, if somebody wants to learn more about maybe the mastermind or more about what you do, where, the, where can they find you? Um, I'm real Jeff Smith on uh, Instagram. And then uh, you can find me on Facebook and I'm just Jeff Smith. Um, you could shoot me an email at the, the real Jeff Smith, Jeff at the real Jeff Um, if you want to just email me, I'll respond to every email, but just, just message me on Instagram, real Jeff Smith. And, uh, I would love to connect with anyone that wants to chat about any of this shit. All right. Guns, military business, personal development. I'm, I'm passionate about all of it. Families, wives, fitness. So Corey, I really appreciate you having me on brother. Thank yeah, you dude. so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you, brother. If you took anything away from this podcast, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and go check out some other episodes on SuccessfulLifePodcast.com. This is the Successful Life. Thank you for tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. We hope today's insights have ignited your passion and provided tools to shape your leadership journey. Remember, greatness is a journey not a destination. Continue your pursuit by exploring more resources and insights over at coreybarrier.com. Until next time, keep leading, keep learning, and keep striving for excellence. Stay inspired and see you on the next episode.